Good morning, Connection Point Church. How are you doing? I'm doing good. My name is Joel Halpin. I am pastor of this church, and I just want to let you know that as I'm praying for what God is going to do in this service, my prayer is not that God will uh, speak to you. It's that God will speak to us. It's not that you will encounter God. It's that we will encounter God. That's my prayer, is that not that it happens just to you, but that it happens to us, because one of the core beliefs that I have in the way that a church should function is we are a family and that we do this together. And so I was thinking, you know, I've said this before, that of all the prayers we pray to God, there's one prayer that God prays that we can answer. And the one prayer is that we may be one. Jesus said, Lord, let them be one. And that's the one prayer that the church can answer for God. And so in this series, People of Impact, it's all about us being people that make a difference, but the only way that happens is if we are unified. And so one of the things we're doing in this series that is unique is we are, we are putting forth some goals that at the end of this series, we're going to try to be unified in some church goals. But these goals aren't just that you will succeed, it's that we will succeed. So I want to go through these goals real quick, and I want to let you know that on March 3rd, in three weeks, we're going to, as a church, commit to some goals together. The first goal that we are going to have, we call these impact goals, and we're going to have these goals for the year, okay? The first goal is that we want to have an inward goal, and that is already actually begun. We we decided that we want to read the Bible together as a church. And so we started a Bible plan on the Bible app, and you can find that actually if you go to connectionpoint.life, you can sign up for that. We have 70 people that have signed up and that um, this past week, you could log on, you could do your Bible reading, and we could see what each other was writing, uh, what we were writing, and how the Word was impacting. And if you're not a part of it, I want to encourage you to jump on this, because it's been really insightful to see how God is speaking to each and every one of you that's participating. But the first goal we have, we've already started. You can still jump in, no problem, and that's called an inward goal, and we just want to read God's Word together. The second goal that we're going to set is an improvement goal. And this is where we're just challenging you you to set one goal that if you could see, you would see impact in your life if you could improve on this one area. And so it's a a daily goal. It could be a fitness goal. It could be a a finance goal of, hey, we want to save money. Whatever it is, I want you to set one goal that is an improvement goal. What could you do to make yourself better? Or as uh, as Peter said last week, we, we learned that Peter said we should be increasing our virtue. That is our good habits. So we want to have an an inward goal of reading God's word together. We want to have an improvement goal of increasing our virtue. We also want to have an inviting goal. You know, we talked about keystone habits last week, which a keystone habit is that one habit that will set off a chain reaction, that if you do one habit, it will do a lot of things. We saw some keystone habits on the screen, on the bumper. But I believe that inviting people to church is a keystone habit. In fact, if you invite someone to church and they say they're going to come, it's going to at least set one domino in place because you're probably going to come to church on that day, right? And then you're probably also going to want to know, hey, what are we teaching about? Hey, are the kids going to be taken care of? You're going to be more invested in the, in the, uh, the ministries of this church if you are inviting people. So we're going to challenge you to come up with one family that you're going to start inviting to church. And then we're, the last one is, investing, an investing goal. What could you do um, to invest in this church financially? 
Right, right, right now, we are on the cusp. In fact, we uh, have until the end of August in this location. And then we know after August, we are going to be somewhere else. We're not quite sure where, but we've been saving money above and beyond our regular giving that we have been setting aside. Right now, we have $156,000 set aside, but our goal is to have $200,000 so that we're ready to move to the next location that God has for us. And it's our goal and it's our hope that we'll be able to purchase a piece of property so that we can be truly a light on a hill, a city on a hill, a light to our community. And so we're going to set a goal to hit that number, $200,000. So we want you to consider what could you do to invest in this church financially above and beyond. And so as a family, as we set these goals, I really believe that it will set off a chain reaction if we are a church that's reading the Bible together, we're a church that's improving ourselves and our virtue, and we're also inviting people to church and investing in our church. I believe it will will set off just a chain reaction of what God could do to let us be people of impact. I want to invite Ashley Green up to the stage right now. Today, Ashley is going to bring our message today. So y'all give a hand for Ashley coming up. Yes, I'm very excited about this. And one of the questions she asked is probably a question that I don't think you guys ask as much as she probably asked. She said, well, why do I preach if you're here, Joel? And I just want to to say I've already heard her message, and the the way that God, um, God uses her to filter is different than the way God would use me, and it's healthy for us as a church family to understand that God speaks not just through me, God speaks to every one of us. And Ashley has a word from God today that I'm excited for you to hear. We're going to be talking about reading God's word. So let me uh, say a word of prayer. And then y'all, I hope the anticipation is building because Ashley really does have a great word for you today. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now that you will Just prepare our hearts, open our hearts to your word, Lord. And I pray that every word that Ashley speaks to us today will not just be her words, but it will be your words. And by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you will interpret every word so that we will know your will and be able to do it. And Lord, I pray as we listen, we'll also just have a heart of prayer for each other, that we can truly become people of impact. And that we know it's not just by improving ourselves, but together we can encourage one another. Lord, use Ashley and speak to us in this message. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joel. Um, Well, so I knew that this series was coming. That's kind of how the preaching works. He plans it in advance. Um, And so I knew this series was coming and that we were going to be making these impact goals. And so I kind of cheated. I I did a two-for-one deal. Um, And so today I'm going to talk to you about just my plan for being a person of impact. Um, Specifically for my inward goal and my improvement goal. Um, I I really had set this goal before I knew the series, but it just kind of worked out that, hey, I was like, well, I can check two boxes at once. Um, So today I want to talk to you about how I plan to be a person of impact. Um, The truth is, is I am not the greatest at goals. Um, When we set, you know, when we set goals as a church, for instance, um, when we did the Beyond series and we had Beyond goals, um, Chase and I, we were diligent about meeting those goals um, and making those things happen. But like things like, like New Year's resolutions, I don't do them. I just don't. You know, uh, six weeks ago or so, Megan preached an amazing message on prayer. And when she did, she asked us in that, in that sermon, hey, raise your hand if you've made a New Year's resolution. 
And I lied. I'm not going to, I raised my hand. Yeah, I make a New Year's resolution every year. And I don't, I never do because I don't keep them. I don't, I just, I'm so it's like, what's the point? I'm, but I lie about it. So. But hey, I confess and I ask your forgiveness. <laughs> That's the way it works, right? Um, but I just don't keep a goal. Um, do you know what the most common New Year's resolution is? to lose weight, to get healthy, to eat better. Do you know that every January, Americans spend $33 billion on health and fitness supplements and aids? $33 billion. And by now, by the middle of February, 80% of those people have failed. 80% of all New Year's resolutions have failed by now. Why is that? Why is it that we can't keep a goal? I think that for those people that set New Year's resolutions to get healthy in January, I think that we, they genuinely want to get healthy. But the truth is, is we live in an instant gratification society. And when we've set a goal to lose 20 pounds and it doesn't happen by January 15th, we're out, right? We're like, it didn't happen as quick as I wanted it to, so what's the point? But we... What, like, even if we take that goal of losing weight and getting healthy, how, if, we, if someone were to ask, well, how do you be in the 20%, the 20% that succeed? Well, it seems simple, right? You eat right and you work out. But we don't. We don't meet our goals. My inward and, up, inward and upward, inward and improvement goal um, is now Chase and I are, um, we are trying to eat better and to exercise and to get healthier, but I have set a goal that I believe wholeheartedly a thousand percent is going to improve all things in my life because their diet and exercise, it's great. It's a great habit to build into your life, to take care of your body. Your body is a temple. We know these things, Right. But that's not going to be the thing that's going to fix your marriage. It's not going to be the thing that's going to um, help you as you struggle with financial hardship. As you want to be a better parent, you can cut all the carbs, go to the gym twice a day, and you're still going to yell at your kids. You may yell at them more because you haven't had carbs. <laughs> uh, right? It's just the truth. So I believe for me, my personal improvement um, and, and inward goal is to engage with the Bible daily. Now, you may be like I have been for 30 something years, where whenever I would hear a sermon about why you should read your Bible, I would sit back and I would say, oh, here we go. Look, I know I'm supposed to read my Bible. I don't need to, I don't need to, I never did that when Joel did it. I never, like I always took notes and it was like, yes, it's good. I will apply this to my life, right? But when I've heard other, other preachers, <laughs> right. Um, when I've had other preachers stand up and say, you should be reading your Bible. I sit back and I'm like, look, I get it. I know, I know I'm supposed to do it because I'm a doer. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram too. I believe, I, like, I earn your love. I earn approval by the things I do. I am well aware of what I should be doing. I don't need someone on a stage telling me what I should be doing. It's shameful enough for me. I'd struggle with the shame of not doing what I should be doing. I don't need someone else adding to that. But, and, and so if you, like, if, if you hear me say, hey, we're going to talk about reading your Bible today. If you sit back and you're put out and you're like, I don't need that. I know. I would just encourage you to just listen because I'm not talking about reading your Bible. I'm talking about engaging with the truth and scripture. And it's completely different. 
When we engage with scripture, we encounter Christ. We encounter and we learn about the character of God. And so today we're going to answer three questions. The first question, why should we engage with the Bible? The second question, why don't we engage with the Bible? And the third question, how do we engage with the Bible? So let's start with the first question. Why should we engage with the Bible? Now play along with me because I don't know what you may believe, but let's play along and just pretend that there is this God who created everything. He has designed the function and the purpose of everything from the largest of creature to the smallest of molecule. He has determined how we would relate to him and how we should relate to one another that brings life and joy to all those, to all of his people. And let's say that this God who did all of this loves you and wrote down his truth and his wisdom. And these words have been preserved throughout history. And he didn't give these words to you as rules and regulations and things that you should and should not do. He gave it to you out of love. When you wanna engage with that, wouldn't you wanna engage with that God? Wouldn't you want to experience him? Of course you would. If we look at Matthew 22, 34 through 40, and this may be a familiar passage to you, but I want you to just listen. Matthew 22, starting in verse 34, it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets." These Pharisees who are the church leaders at the time are asking this question because they're trying to trick Jesus. They want to discredit his ministry. Did you know that at the time, and everybody, everybody that's around them would have known, there were 613 commandments in the law. And they knew um, these are commandments that we're not supposed to break. So Jesus, could you tell us, like, maybe you'll just give us, is there one that's more important? Is it one of the 10 commandments? Is it the first commandment? But Jesus doesn't even go that way. He answers by saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And he goes on to say that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. First, I think we should define love. You probably know this and you've heard it before. Love, the word love is very flippantly used in our society. We say that we love our kids and we love tacos. We love our spouse and we really love our new shoes, right? We love, like we love anything and everything. John Piper, who is um, a, a well-known pastor, he says about the love that's, that's spoken here, the love for God. He says, love for God is delighting in him and a desire to know him and to be with him. So Jesus says that we're to love God with our heart and soul. And so what John Piper, what he's trying to say is we are to delight in him. We are to delight in this God who created everything. We are to pursue a relationship with him. We are to turn toward him, walk toward him, pursue him, love him. That's what it looks like. The, um, Paul, the apostle Paul, 
wrote about this in one of his letters to the church in Corinth. So we're going to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 16. And this is what Paul says. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I love that. It says there is freedom. Not there might be freedom. There could be freedom. There is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. You know, God, God didn't wait for us to love him before he would love us. God loved us first. And when we see, we see that when we turn to the Lord, when we ask Jesus Christ to be our personal savior, that veil is lifted. We are able to see the beauty and the glory of the Lord and experience all that he has to offer for us. And by beholding the glory or reflecting in the glory of the Lord, that is when we start to be transformed from one degree to another. So we may be perfectly right with the Lord, right? Salvation happens in an instant. You pray to receive Jesus Christ as your savior. It's done forever, sealed. You can't, it can't be taken away. And thank the Lord that I don't have to work towards that. It is not an ongoing process. I'm not like, I'm not every day asking Jesus, forget, like Jesus be my savior. Jesus be my savior. Cause I did it. It's done final. Right, But that transformation, that the, the fancy word is sanctification, which means that becoming, becoming more like Christ, becoming transformed, becoming holy, that's a daily thing. That's a lifelong thing. And can we all just agree? I wish it was, I wish it was instant. <laughs> I wish it was quick. I wish that I could turn to Jesus and say, Jesus be my savior. And I was like, I didn't yell at my kids and I didn't get angry at my husband and I didn't have bitterness in my heart, right? But that's not how it works. We turn from one degree to the next. It's just a little bit at a time. And when we are pursuing Christ, when we are pursuing this God in the scripture, that is how we are transformed. So Jesus says that we're to love God. If we look back in Matthew, to love God with our heart and our soul. And then he says that we're to love him with our minds, that we are to know him, not just know about him, but know him, know his character, know what he says about us. You know, for my personal Bible study, before I, do, I am doing the John Bible study with the church, but um, I also do what's called the Bible recap. And basically what it is, it's, um, it's led by a woman named Tara Lee Cobble, and she um, is going through, we're using a Bible plan on the Bible app, going through the Bible chronologically, and then she does like a seven to 10 minute podcast every day, recapping what you've read. But one thing that I love about um, what she, she does it, but she also challenges us to do it before um, listening to the podcast, she call, she'll say, what's your God shot? And what she's saying is, where did you see the character of the Lord in what you read today? And y'all there, I'm not gonna lie, there are parts of scripture, it's hard to read. Right now, like in the Bible recap, we're reading Leviticus. That's hard. <laughs> it's hard to read that and not like, just start skimming, <laughs> right? And not be like, yeah, I know, I know. Um, I'm okay with, like, I don't need to read this. 
But when you do, when you go into it and you engage with the purpose of saying, man, where can I see the character of the Lord in this? Where can I see who God is in this, in this scripture that some people would say is dry, is dull, is boring? Where can I see that? You know what happens when you're looking for it? You always find it. You always find the character of the Lord, whether it's that he's a provider, he's in the details, he dwells among the people, amongst the sinners. Thank the Lord for that. And thank the Lord that even in reading in the hard scriptures, that God reveals that to me. We need to be looking for the character of the Lord so that we can know him. Because the truth is we have a tendency to make God like the ideal version of ourselves. We think, okay, if I did all the right things, if I said all the right things, um, then that's what God would be like. But when we do that, we are making ourselves God and not God, God. We are not, we, we, are, we are determining who God is. We're telling God, this is what you have to be like. Instead of just resting in, hey, God, tell me, like, show me, show me who you are. Show me what you can do. But God confronts us with that truth when we're in the scripture. When I look at this, when I read with a purpose of engaging with God, when I read this, I feel like God is on repeat saying, Ashley, this is not about you. This life that you lead, your day to day, it's not about you. It's about me. It's about how you can reflect the glory of God in the good and the bad, in the ugly, in the hard days. Ashley, this, it's about me. Pursue me. Don't, you don't define who I am. You know, scripture has immense power and I have seen that. And, and, and I think that's something we say a lot. Oh, the, the, you know, the, which the Bible says in Hebrews four, it says, for the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And you may have heard that before. You may have heard people say, you know, the, uh, the Bible is alive and active. What does that look like? I mean, right, it's not like breathing. It's not like growing. It's not doing everything you learn in like fourth grade science about what makes a living thing, right? <clears throat> Some of y'all know this, but there are times that I struggle with like debilitating anxiety. Like I've had, I remember the first time I had an anxiety attack after Chase and I got married, like the kind of anxiety attack where I can't breathe. I'm crying uncontrollably. I'm like starting to pass out. And Chase was about to call 911. <laughs> and when in 2014, we, were, we went on the Peru mission trip. And Chase and I were staying at a hotel that was different from the rest of the team. We were just across the street, um, but we were, we were separated. And not because of that, but um, I think a lot of it was just spiritual like warfare. But I, one night, I had one of the worst anxiety attacks I've ever, ever had. And it was long and it was ugly. And Chase was trying to figure out what is the equivalent of 911 in Peru. Because we, like, we were, it was a, like this small hotel. Nobody else spoke English. We didn't speak Spanish. He didn't want to leave me alone. Like, and, but you know what I did in that moment? Well, at, not in that moment, because it, it took a while, to be honest. But at that time, I was in a, a Bible study where we were memorizing like chapters of scripture. And at the time, we were memorizing a chapter in Romans. It had nothing to do with how I felt or what I was dealing with. And we were memorizing it to song, which Chase loved because he had to hear me sing it every week. But um, I, I just sang that scripture and just said it, said a whole chapter of Romans. And you know what happened? I got peace. I was calm. 
Not because I, not because I, I suddenly learned how to breathe or not because, you know, not because of anything that Chase was doing, but because I was speaking scripture and truth to myself and this word is alive and active. And so now every time that I start to have an anxiety attack, even if it's just one verse over and over, I just say it, I say it and it, and it helps. And so we pursue scripture. Why do we pursue scripture? We pursue and engage scripture because that's where God meets us. That's where we learn the character of God. That is where we grow and become more like Christ. So the second question, why don't we engage with scripture? I think there's three reasons we don't engage. Because of pride, because of insecurity, because of laziness. The first reason we don't, we don't engage with scripture is because of pride. Basically, it's just saying, I don't need this. I got it on my own. And I think there are times where we've all been there. It's really just think, having too much confidence in ourselves. And what that looks like for a lot of us, myself included at times, we come in here on a Sunday, we sing the songs, we take notes during the sermons, especially Joel's, because they're so good right? Um, we give, we go to connect group. But when we walk out of here, aside from when we're in a connect group, right? When we walk out of here, we live like functional atheists. We, live, we say that we believe in God, but we don't live like it because we're prideful. We think, I, don't, I, can, I, I got this. I got this. We think it's weak to rely on the Lord. We think it's weak to go to scripture for wisdom. But y'all, it like, this is good stuff. You don't even know, you don't know what you're missing out on. We probably wouldn't outright say that, but if we examine our Monday through our Saturday, it may be true about our lives. In Proverbs, King Solomon wrote out some God-given wisdom that he had about this. In Proverbs 16, 18, Solomon says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. This is the origin of the saying that pride comes before the fall. Basically he's saying, Look, you're welcome to go and do what you want to do, live how you want to live, but there's going to be trouble. It's going to come. And we've seen that, right? Whether in our lives or somebody else's. We've seen that when someone goes off and they want to do, they want to do them, right? You do you, right? You do you, boo. <laughs> Boo's going to get some trouble. <laughs> Boo's going to have some problems. Because we're prideful. We think we got it all together. Let me think about it this way. Think about a child on Christmas morning. They have that gift. And, and maybe the way that my family does Christmas is we sit around in a circle. We go youngest to oldest, opening one gift at a time. If you're the oldest grandchild, it's tough, right? So think about that oldest one. They have a gift in their lap and they're so excited. It has a pretty bow. They're trying to open it, right? It finally gets their turn. They're trying to open it. They can't get it open. They're trying every seam, turning every which way because it's that one gift that's from the, fam the family member that, has, that loves scotch tape, right? We all have that person in our family and they just can't get it open. And their mom or dad turn to them and they say, hey, honey, let me, get, like, let me try. Let me, let me try to help you. And what does the child say? No, I can do it, <laughs> right? And so they keep wrestling, they, but they can't get it. What they have no idea is that inside is the gift that's at the top of their list and they're missing out on it because they're too prideful to ask for someone who can help. So finally they turn to mom and dad and they say, okay, will you help me? And what does mom and dad say? No, you said, no, I'm just kidding. I saw they say. <laughs> they say, sure, let me open it up for you, right? And they finally open it 
And it's that toy, the one they're so excited about. And they rip off all those plastic tabs that all the parents hate. And they are so excited because they can finally experience the joy that comes from that gift. And y'all, that is what the scripture is. We are so prideful trying to figure out lives on our, our lives on our own. When God is saying, honey, let me help you. Let me show you. And then when we open up, we experience the joy and the freedom that he has to offer. So we let pride get in the way. The second thing that keeps us from engaging in scripture is insecurity. Really, it's just the fear of failing. The fear that somebody's going to see us not performing well and because our self-worth is wrapped up in what somebody else says about me, now I am plagued with insecurity. That's what my counselor keeps telling me as, as we work through it. <laughs> um, because it, it's true, I struggle with insecurity and that is where I have struggled with scripture. You know, I didn't become a believer until I was 16 years old. I didn't know a lot of the Old Testament stories or, um, or the, even like miracles of Jesus. I didn't know a lot of them. And so we'd be in youth group and people would, or like I'd help at VBS. People would start asking questions or kids would ask questions. And I would just be like Jenny on Forrest Gump. Dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away from here. I'd be terrified because I didn't know. In fact, I remember one time, some of y'all may know this, but um, at a previous church, um, longer than I realized, but uh, longer than I realized, Joel was my college minister. Um, and, and I went to him one day because for some reason, and please don't ask me where it came from, I don't know. I thought the Garden of Eden was like on another planet, like in another dimension, like not on earth. And someone had told me, I read or something that, no, the Garden of Eden was like on earth. And I was so confused. And I went to Joel and I was like, you mean to tell me the, the Garden of Eden is like a real place? Like it was on earth? And he was very, I told him this the other day. He was like, I don't remember this at all. And then he was like, how did I respond? And, and I said, you were very gracious and you gave a very kind answer. First, he looked at me like, are you like, are, is this a real question? And then I was like, no, really. Um, and he gave me the answer and it was good. But there's somewhere along the way, I quit asking. I quit looking in scripture because I thought I had to look like I had it together. But y'all, God doesn't look at you when you're looking through the, at the table of contents because you're, uh, you hear a sermon and they're talking about a book in the Bible you didn't know existed. God doesn't look down on you for that. God doesn't look at you when you go to him with a question or when you're in the back of the Bible in your concordance and you're looking up anxiety or you're looking up addiction and trying to find a scripture for that. God doesn't look at you and shake your finger, his finger and say, uh, you should know this by now. God doesn't laugh at you when you Google questions like, where was the Garden of Eden? <laughs> He's just thankful that you are pursuing him. So don't let your insecurity stop you. We also don't engage with the scripture because of laziness. And I love you, but it's true. And it's true about all of us at times. The fact is, it's just easier to not do it. It's not a matter of, oh, it's too hard. It takes too much time. It's not even a factor of possession. You know, the average American home has at least four Bibles. And who knows how many, we all have it. We have access to it on our phones. It's not that we don't have access to the truth. We just don't make time for it. We think it's not important enough. But it, you know, it takes any, you know this, it takes effort to grow any relationship. It's going to take effort. It's going to take effort to grow in your relationship with the Lord because it takes effort to get up earlier. It takes effort to, to not watch The Office on Netflix 
for three hours every night. It takes effort to put your phone down and step away from social media. I get it, it takes effort, but it's worth it. So how have you let laziness keep you from engaging with scripture? And whether it's, whether it's the pride, the insecurity, or the laziness, it would be worth it for us to figure out what is keeping me from engaging with scripture. So now let's bring it on home and let's talk about how do we engage with scripture? the practicality of it. And we could spend a lot of time here because there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Some of us grew up, whether it was your youth pastor, it was never Joel for me. He never said this, but um, maybe or a pastor, but someone may have told you it has to be first thing in the morning. It has to look like this. You have to do this. But that's not, we don't, it's, that's not the way it has, to, it has to be. You know, I asked a little over 20 people, some that go to this church and some that don't. Tell me about your most fruitful and consistent time in the word. And do you know what every, literally 100% of them said, I have a plan. It's when I have a plan. It's when I know what I'm doing. So um, King Solomon says, he has more wisdom about this. He was a very wise man. I don't know if you knew this, but in Proverbs 21.5, he says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. What he's saying here is a plan's gonna help you succeed. We know that, right? Whether it's reading your Bible, whether it's your financial plan, a plan is going to help you to succeed. It takes a plan to cultivate any relationship. You know, if, if my husband Chase comes to me and says, hey, Ashley, I think that we should have a date night, just me and you. I'm gonna say, yes, that, would, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Where, what are we doing? Where are we going? When are we going? And he's like, well, maybe this week. Let's just see if it happens. And we'll just see on that day where we end up. I'm gonna look at him and I'm gonna say, uh, excuse me, you obviously do not care about this. Because if he cared, he would make a plan. Now, if he did, and which he did do this on Monday, not because he knew I was going to preach about it, but this is for real. He, if he came, if he, he texts me on Monday and he says, hey, I've already got a babysitter. Tonight, we're going to go out and we're going to go see our favorite waiter at Casa Mama, Javier. Um, we're going to go see Javier at Casa Mama. And then, um, and we're going to, we're just going to talk. He's like, I just want to hear, we've just had some busy, you know, busy few weeks. I just want to hear your heart. I just want to talk to you. And you know what? You know what happened in the night? For one, we got two foster placements, which was totally off off topic. But um, we also, which thank the Lord we had a date night that night because who knows when we'll get another one. But um, we, we left that night. We were more in sync. We had a stronger relationship. And we knew that our time together was important. You have to have a plan to engage with the scripture and to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And your plan needs four things. Super easy. It needs a time. It needs a place. It needs a text and a team. These are all things. This is not, this is from my own personal research of asking these 20 people, very distinguished research on Marco Polo. I just said, hey, tell me about your time. Tell me about what you, how, what, what does it look like for you to read the word? So for your time, you can't just wait for it to fall into your lap. You can't just sit around and say, um, if I have time today, I'll do it. Now, it doesn't have to be in the morning. For some people I talked to, it was first thing in the morning. For some people, they said it was their lunch break at work. Some people said it was during nap time for their kids. Some people said it was at night when they got home from work. 
The truth is the best time for you to carve out to spend time with the Lord is the time that you carve out. Whatever time that you set aside that's going to be best for you is going to be what's best for you. Is going to, that will be your plan. That will help you to succeed. I am not a morning person. And so for a long time, I could not do it in the morning because I was angry. I'm angry in the mornings a lot. I'm not a very nice person. <laughs> and I need to be a nicer person when I'm engaging with Jesus. So that, that you know, that, whatever time you have, whatever time you can carve out, Spend that time with the Lord, commit it to the Lord. Your place, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Now, if you have like a nook in your house or like a fancy chair, all the power to you. I'm a little jealous because that is not the situation I have. You know where I do it? I sit on the couch. You can sit at the breakfast table. You can listen to it in your car on the way to work. You can do it at your desk. You can sit in your bed. Whatever works for you, it does not have to be fancy. Now, <clears throat> would it be feasible for me to, do, for me to, uh, to spend time with the, in the Word when I'm sitting on the couch and there's a one, a two, and a three-year-old making havoc in my living room? No. Or when I, like, I'm, well, you know what? I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to have a TV on or I'm going to sit in front of my computer, but I promise I won't look at it. No. You need to have a place where you designate. It doesn't have to be like that's the only thing you do, but you know that, like, hey, when I'm here, like, I'm engaging. I'm engaging with the word. So you also, you have your time, your place. You need to have a text. Don't, you can't just, I'm not gonna say it can't happen, but I have never been able to go, "Um, Jesus, what you got for me here? That's never worked for me, right? You have to have a plan. Now, thankfully, the church has helped you out in this section because we are reading through the book of John. So if you are not signed up for that, like Joel said, go to connectionpoint.life and we will tell you, the, the Bible app will tell you what to read every day. But when you're finished with that, there's lots of other plans on the Bible app. You could do that. You could read through, um, you could study a character, a person in the book of the Bible. You could do another Bible study, like Bible study fellowship um, or other, you know, you could do um, a study with friends. I'm not gonna tell you what you gotta read, but you gotta make a plan for what you're gonna read. You gotta know, you gotta know where you're headed. <clears throat> and then the last thing is your team, your accountability. A lot of the people that I talked to said they were most fruitful when someone was just asking them. It doesn't have to be someone that's reading the exact same thing as you. It could just be someone else that just asks you, hey, what's God teaching you in the word lately? What have you read lately? Tell me about it. And just that one little question, because one, one it'll, it gives you a purpose for the next time you go and read, right? Because you're not just reading to check it off but you're looking, hey, what do, what do you have to teach from, to me, God? And of course there's grace there. And I would encourage you, like in our connect group, even before we were doing the John study, a lot of us were doing the Bible recap. And so we would ask each other, hey, have you been reading lately? And when somebody says, no, I've had a hard week, it didn't happen. Well, you know what? We didn't kick them out. We didn't say shame on you. You know, what I did before we, before we had a one and two-year-old too, um, I would get up, I, now I said I'm not a morning person. I do get up every morning at 4.30, not to read, not to be with Jesus, but I teach English to Chinese kids, which in China, like on the computer, which sounds crazy, but it is legit. Um, but I, I do that until 7.30 every morning. And then what, when, we just, when we just had Abel at the time, he was still asleep. And so I could go, I could read scripture, do my Bible study, listen to the podcast, take notes, things like that. 
I'm gonna be honest. Now there's three of them. I am struggling. <laughs> I am struggling to figure out when are we gonna do this? Cause that seems like they are never all asleep. Um, they are never like all like in one place. And so I'm figuring it out. And so I, this is, I'm asking you to keep me accountable. Next week, ask me, what's your plan? Did you figure out a plan? It's a, you have the grace to do that, but give grace to me if I say, well, we didn't have the best week, okay? <laughs> We're working on it. We're trying, okay? But, you know, that's, that's one thing I want, I want to emphasize. God is not disappointed in you when you miss a day. God is not disappointed in you when you go a week without reading the Bible. God's not disappointed if you go a month. You know, my son Abel is three, and he is a mama's boy through and through, and I'm okay with that. And Lord willing, when he's 18 or 19, he's gonna go off to college. And I would hope that he calls me every day. And he's gonna call me and he's gonna tell me, you know, about friends, about classes, about a weird roommate, right? But then there may be a day he doesn't call. And then there may be another day he doesn't call but I'm a creeper on his Instagram. So I know that he's not like making terrible decisions, right? I'm still like somewhat aware of what's going on. He's just busy. And so 10 days go by and he doesn't call. And then one day he calls. Is the first thing I'm gonna say, am I gonna say to him at all? I am so disappointed that it's taken you 10 days to call your mother. No, I'm gonna be glad he wants to talk to his mama. I'm gonna be thankful that he took the time to, to call me to, to, for, so that I can tell him, honey, I love you. I am proud of you. I am proud to call you my son. And that's what God does for us. You may have never made the discipline of reading your Bible. Does God want you in it every day? Of course, there's an abundant life that he has for you when you pursue him and you pursue his truth. But don't let the shame of not doing it, keep you from doing it. And y'all, I say that from experience. I operate out of shame a lot. It is easy for me to think, I missed a day, I can't go back now. I missed a week, definitely can't go back now. But what I've learned is that when I go back, when I go back into scripture and I'm looking, God, where, what do you have for me today? Where can I see your character? Where can I see your love for me today? He shows up. He shows up. I never feel like his hand over me and being like, Ashley, <laughs> I told you, right? He doesn't do that. He's just thankful that I wanna spend time with him. So don't let that shame hold you back. You know, um, there is a man named Vance Hines. If you don't know who that is, he's like a, he is an everyday name in our household right now. Um, he is just a regular guy. If you don't know who he is, you can Google him. Um, he is a man that Chase saw a video of him online. Um, and Vance Hines, he lives in Waxahachie. He has a video that's gone viral. He um, started eating healthier and doing DDP yoga and lost 198 pounds in a year. Now, DDP yoga, it is not your mama's yoga. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. DDP yoga is taught by Diamond Dallas Page. I didn't know who that was either. Um, he was a famous wrestler in the 90s, okay? Chase was real pumped. Um, but he saw this video about Vance that did it, Vance doing DDP yoga. So he said, we should do this DDP yoga. And then he also, the way that... <laughs> A lot of things are determined in our life by um, videos or documentaries. So we also started trying to eat a plant-based diet. 
If I said I didn't have cheese over the last six weeks, I would be lying, but we try, right? So Chase saw this video and through a crazy turn of events, Diamond Dallas Page called Chase. They text and call each other. It's this crazy story and it's weird, but it's great, right? So Chase, but every day, Vance is Chase's mentor in this. So Chase logs his food every day and he sends it to Vance. And there's been days, like I said, we've slipped up. We've eaten chips and queso or pizza or a soda. And, but Chase still owns it, right? He sends it to Vance. And you know what Vance says? He doesn't say, shame on you. Shame on you. He, he says, he's, he's, he makes me laugh. But he says, do what Fifi does. That's his dog. Do what Fifi does. Kick some grass on it and keep going. <laughs> and you know what? Chase kept going. He was disciplined enough to say, you know what? I'm gonna wake up tomorrow. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep working towards that. I'm gonna keep pursuing that. And because of that, because he wasn't wallowing in the shame of a slip up, Chase has lost almost 40 pounds in four weeks. And yeah, yeah. And that, but that's because of this, that's because of discipline and not like we, we're gonna mess up. But there's grace there. Don't let the shame of messing up keep you from going back. So <clears throat> I, I want to close with this. We know where we, why we should engage with the Bible. We know why we don't engage with the Bible. And we know, now we know, hopefully, a little bit about how we can engage with the Bible. <clears throat> Let me close with this. I want you to think of the rest of the year ahead of 2019. What is one area one thing where God could come in and help you, be your rescuer, be a provider, be a comfort, be your strength, be your rock. Where is that? What is that thing that you have, that you have been prideful enough to hold on to? And I would encourage you tomorrow, whenever it is, wherever it is, whatever it looks like for you, when you go to the scripture, when you step in and you engage with the truth that God has for you, take that thing, whether it's marital issues, addiction, stress and anxiety, financial hardship, sickness, finding joy in, the, in your current situation. When you, in, when you open up the word, say, God, like this is where I am. I have not heard from you. And honestly, I haven't even tried to hear from you in a long, long time. But I'm gonna read and I'm gonna ask you to show up. And he will. Do it consistently. Pursue Christ consistently in the truth that he gives us and he will show up and he will be your helper. He will be your provider. He will be your comfort. And when you mess up, because we all will, do what Fifi does. <laughs> Kick some dirt on it and keep going. Because this, this has the wisdom where you can find abundant life, where you can find joy, where you can find peace and grow in your relationship with the Lord. Let us pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and active and how I have seen it, man, just changed my life. Lord, I thank you that you do not shake your finger at me with my silly questions, with my inconsistency. Lord, I pray that we would be 
people who pursue you by engaging with your truth. God, come, come into our lives, come into our everyday, into the chaos, into the quiet, into the loud, into all of it. And let us rest in your truth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.